Good morning. Come on. Who's excited to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Come on. Let's just stand and get ready to worship. Come on. We're going to lift our voices and clap our hands. And we're just going to give him all the glory and all the praise. Amen. Come on. Let's put our hands together. I raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemies. I raise a hallelujah, oh louder, louder than the unbelief. Come on, we raise.
such as this house of redeeming love is a house of miracles and we've seen signs and wonders and healings. Come on, yeah, let's praise him for that. We thank you, Jesus.
walked into this room with pain in your body, I want you to check that pain. I know we haven't prayed for anybody yet, but if you walked into this room and you had pain, you had an injury, you had something that was wrong with your physical body, I want you to check that, that thing in your body right now if you can. If you had pain moving your arm, try and move your arm and see if there's still pain there because people are being healed in the midst of worship. And so if, you, if that's you, test your pain. If your pain is gone, wave to me so I can see you because I can't see a simple hand. You've already got pain gone, pain gone, pain gone. Three, four, five. Already, already, and we haven't even prayed yet. This is just simply by being in the presence of God. Wow. Well, God wants to do some miracles. He's going to do them right now. So if you're here and you need a miracle, stick your hand up in the air. All right, so we just prayed and we just sang, and we know that this is a house of miracles. And so our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit resides within us. The Bible says that the kingdom of God is within you. And so what we're going to do right now is that you are filled with the miracle working power of God. And so right now, if your hand is not in the air, your hand's in the air, you need a miracle. If your hand is not in the air, go and put your hand on someone whose hand is in the air. And for those of you with your hand in the air, keep your hand in the air until someone comes and puts a hand on you. I don't even know if we have enough people for all the hands that are in the air. Well, let's do it. When somebody puts their hand on you, put your hand down so that we know that everybody's got somebody. Anybody left? We need every, this is everybody, every person in the body right now. Every person in the body. We need every person. Is there still a hand up? Mostly down over here. Hands down if, you, if, you've, if you've got someone praying for you. So I can see. There's some, somebody's touching that person. We got two right down here in the front. We got two over here on this side. Do we have any more hands? In the back, in the sound booth going to go forward until every hand is down. Miracle, 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 miracle. We're going to sing this again. We're going to sing this again. And as we, as we sing this again, receive your miracle right now. As we sing this again, receive your miracle right now in Jesus' name. Receive it right now in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus, come alive. In the name of Jesus, this is a house of miracles. We bring everything to the feet of Jesus. Everything in the name of Jesus, this is a house of miracles. We sing, come alive.
love you. Jesus, you're awesome. Jesus, you're awesome. Jesus, you're awesome. Can we bring the lights up in the room? Amen, amen, amen. So for those of you who, if you waved at me before, don't wave at me again. If, if we've just prayed for miracles, if you experienced healing in your body, if you experienced some kind of change, wave at me now. One over here, two, three, four, five. This is crazy. Six, seven, eight, nine, ten. It's just getting out of hand. You know, we used to count. I had a count going, and we're up to 50 since 2019. And, like, I'm just done counting because we just had 15 uh, people at least partially healed. This is just awesome. God's doing something. It's fantastic. It's amazing. We'll, we'll check in a little bit later, and we'll, we'll find out the depth of those healings. We'll have more prayer at the end. Um, but wow, 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 wow. Can anybody say amen? You know, uh, I want to jump right in, but I know we have to do like transitions and stuff. <laughs> it was a mistake to give me the mic, I, but I'm in charge of who gets it, so. <laughs> oh my goodness. Come on, welcome. Come on up. Come on up, honey. Uh, welcome to Redeeming Love, everyone. Good morning, everyone. I'm Pastor Stacy. Welcome, welcome. And I'm going to do the transition. He gets the easy part. I got to transition out of this amazing worship and time of God. But you know what? He's still in it. He's still in our transition. He's still in all of the things that we do here and important. And there's reasons why we're doing it because we're trying to reach the community. And so one of the ways we do that is actually by filling out our Engage card. When you came in, you were given an Engage card. It's our way of connecting with you. It's how we know what prayers are being answered. Um, so even as I'm speaking or during um, Pastor Matt's preaching, by all means, take time, fill it out. On the back, you'll see prayer and praise requests. They get prayed for every single week by a team of people, and we have seen answers. We have seen answers. We know that prayer works. So please, fill that out. If you have a praise report, put that down. We love rejoicing when we see prayers answered. Um, also, you will see that we have a one-day membership. If you haven't done membership or haven't redone membership, because we were asking all of those who have done membership um, to re-go through it. Um, if you haven't, we're doing a one-day. It's um, 10 to 12 on the 29th. Sign up for that, and we'll get an email out to you with uh, more information. Um, but it will be Saturday, July 29th. Just mark that red box. You can't miss it. It's highlighted for a reason. As many of you know, yesterday we had an amazing community night last night. If you were here, you know what I'm talking about. It was awesome. It was great. Um, we had three salvations. We had like a lot of people who came out to just who didn't know anything about redeeming love and it was just a great time the worship team they've been working overtime they pulled all this equipment outside they did worship outside it was amazing it was hot but we had Kona ice so it kind of like cooled us down kind of like it we probably use it right now in here but I want to thank you to every person who helped out with that. That was a huge event that we put on, and it takes a lot of help to do that. A lot of volunteers. Um, we had a team that headed that up. Actually, they are part of the worship team here that actually literally thought this in and said, we want to do this, and ran with it. And I just want to thank you guys so much for running with that. Um, 
After church today, there was supposed to be a care portal meeting with Lauren. She is under the weather, so that is going to be canceled. She will be sending out a link to those who signed up for care portal, and they'll be doing a Zoom meeting at 7 o'clock on Wednesday. So just if you signed up for care portal, just look for that email from Lauren um, with um, information, and you can always call the office or get in touch with her if you need more information. And right now, we are going to just reach our hands towards a little one and release them to engage kids. Lord, we just thank you for these young ones. We thank you for the next generation of leaders, of young ones. We thank you for the foundation that you're putting into them, God. And we thank you, God, um, for these encounters that they are having. As much as we're having encounters out here with the Holy Spirit, they are having encounter moments in Engage Kids, and they are being taught how to how to um, to sense you, Holy Spirit, how to, how to sense you, how to feel with you, how to move with you. And Lord, we just thank you for that. God, we thank you that we're teaching them now how to hear your voice, that it will never leave them and that they will hear and feel the love of the Father. We thank you for that. Let them have a good time and have lots of fun and engage kids. In Jesus' name, amen. And on that note, we are going to have, they are starting VBS next Sunday, so we're going to play a video about the VBS that they're starting next week. So if you're, you know, little kids that might like it, bring them. It's going to be during the church service, so you can roll that, and Pastor Matt will be up after the video announcements. Light. Darkness. Good. Evil. Truth. Lies. We are engaged in an epic battle between two spiritual kingdoms for the hearts and minds of our youth. Every day, our kids are bombarded with lies about who they are, who their creator is, what is right, and where their salvation comes from. But we are not meant to fight this battle alone. God, the ruler of the good kingdom, has given his kingdom keepers spiritual armor to wear. With this PBS, your kids will learn how they can be a part of God's kingdom through salvation in his son, and they will be equipped with the armor of God as they train to become keepers of the kingdom who stand strong in today's battle for truth. Huzzah! Listen, I don't know. Uh, Let me jump in back where we were, right? All this is going on. I don't know how you can't be excited 
about God. I don't know how you can't be excited. I don't know how you can't dump, jump, and shout, and just scream from the rooftops. I don't know how people can know God and, and not just absolutely become undone. Undone, absolutely undone. We're in this uh, sermon series, face-to-face with God. Face-to-face with God. It's about intimacy with God. Are we face-to-face with God? When God starts to do this stuff, it's fantastic. Just last night, while we were here at the event, a couple people came up to me. One person, they had uh, bad kidneys for 20 years. Uh, We prayed for that person, and uh, their kidney readings came back normal for the first time in 20 years. 20 years. Uh, Last Sunday, there was a word of knowledge for a skin condition, and uh, somebody threw in the chat, "That's, that's my son. So we prayed, and that person was healed within 24 hours. The, they, the, the mom said, I'm taking him to the hospital tomorrow if he's not better. Tomorrow he woke up and he was better. Like, I just, this is just, it just, there's no end to this stuff. I mean, I could go on for the next hour about everything that God has done. I'm just here to tell you, like, how can you not start to get excited about this? How can you not want to just start jumping up and down? Like, come on. Like, check your pulse. Are you alive? Come on. It, I, I read this Facebook post, and I'm on there. I probably should, should just get off, but um, negative towards an event that happened, and they were talking about how emotional Christians were being. I apologize for the heat in here, by the way. Uh, that's not the Holy Spirit that you're feeling. The air conditioning's not working, but I've been, we've had them out to look at it. They're bringing in the part. It should be up and working by next week. Um, but praise God, praise God, praise God. So th- this person had a negative post about some event that had happened. They talked about super emotionalism. And I'm like, m- m- maybe we don't know the same God. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, maybe, you know, or, or I don't know. But, you know, David was super emotional. David was super emotional. First, first Samuel, second Samuel chapter six. Second Samuel chapter six. It says that David, and I talked a little bit about this last week, but I'm going to talk to you about it again. It's one of my favorite scriptures in the whole Bible. It says that David, when he became king, he went and he took the city of Jebus, and he named it Jerusalem. And then the the Philistines saw that there was a new king in town, and they thought, well, hey, here's opportunity at the changing of the guards. Let's go make war with this new king. Didn't work. David went out, and he crushed him pretty quick. Then David takes his first act of the first thing that he wants to do. And what does he say? He says, I want to go and get the ark of God. It's been down there and in Hebron or no, I don't forget, uh, Gibeon. Anyways, it was down in this other city. And he's like, we haven't called upon it. We need to bring that up here. That's where the presence of God rests. We need to get that presence of God right here in the midst of us. I want this face to face encounter with God. And so they go down there, all the mighty men, all of the warriors, they all assemble, they all go down there, they take the army to go get it, and they put it on a new cart, which they weren't supposed to do. And when they get to the threshing floor of, of uh, nope, when they get to near the house of, uh, somebody help me out, Uzzah, no, Uzzah is the one who reached out and touched it. Obed-Edom, when they get to Obed-Edom's house, come on, people. Come on, you theologians. You guys should have, you should have gotten that before me. I'm up here with all this stress on me. (laughs) 
When they get to the house of Obed-Edom, the cart tips, and Uzzah reaches out and steadies the ark so it doesn't come crashing to the ground. But because he touches it, he dies because those are the rules. And so David says, what's going on? He takes the ark off the cart. He puts it in the house of Obed-Edom. He goes back to his house, and he's like, what's going on? I know I heard the Lord. I know I'm supposed to do this. What's going on? And three months later, he gets word. He says, the house of Obed-Edom has been supernaturally, abundantly, miraculously blessed. And he's like, I know I got to go get that box. (laughs) I know. And so he goes back down. He does all of his reading. He does all his research. Never supposed to be put on a cart. Supposed to be carried on poles by men as they walked. And after they take six six steps, before they take that seventh step and they enter into covenant with God, they're to kill a, a lamb. They're to kill an ox. They're to make a sacrificial offering. And so this is the way that it's supposed to happen. And so David does this. He does it the way that it's supposed to be doing. And he gets the ark of God and he gets it to the city of Jerusalem. Psalm 24 is a psalm that David wrote specifically for the occasion. I think that it's a big deal when you're writing songs specifically for an occasion that you know is going to happen. Psalm Psalm 24, who is this king of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. Who is this king of glory? Lift up your heads, O you gates, that the king of glory might come in. Let's go. David got a little bit of a little bit excited. As they're entering into the city, my Bible says, 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 14, it says that David worshiped the Lord with leaping and whirling and dancing, and that David worshiped the Lord with all of his might. Not some, not a little bit. He gave it all. When was the last time that you worshiped the Lord with all of your might? All of it. Pour it all out. He's worth every last ounce of drop of your passion. He's worth every last ounce and drop of what you have to give. Do I get a little carried away in worship? Not at all. Not even a little. You haven't seen carried away yet. I haven't even gotten close. I've done some leaping, but there wasn't any twirling. (laughs) And why are you laughing? (laughs) Come on. Come on. We saw, I don't know, maybe maybe you guys didn't hear Pastor Stacy. We saw three souls saved yesterday. My Bible says that there's more rejoicing in heaven over just one person that gives their life to the Lord than 99 of you guys who don't. And so I'm glad that you're all here today, but three people got saved yesterday. Come on. On that alone, I'm going to leap and dance and whirl and twirl and all of that. And then the miracles, they're just a side benefit. as you're going anyways. (laughs) Sorry. Miracles are just a side benefit of being around God. There's just a side benefit of of being close to his presence. When we're in the midst of God's presence, when when we're that close, we just can't help it. It just, it just happens. Why? Because it's who he is. He is a God who works miracles. He is miracles. 
And so when we get near him, that's going to happen to us. He is resurrection. And so when we get near him, that's going to happen to us. We're going to be brought back to life. He is the provider. So when we get around him, we're going to be provided for. We don't even have to work at it. I mean, we have to do our part, but it's not an effort. It's, it's effortless. But do we take the, do we take the steps? Do we, do we do the simple work of engaging with God? Of connecting with God? And so we're in this sermon series, Face to Face. And uh, just like last week, I'm going to share, but I don't know how much we're going to teach. Um, so I hope that you just catch something. And so today's message is entitled, Beloved. Beloved. And, you know, it occurred to me that there are a whole bunch of scriptures in the Bible that we can become very, very uncomfortable with. <laughs> when we start to talk about these things, people are like, eh. there's whole books that, that people will just shy away from reading because, ah, I don't know, that, that kind of gets a little out there for me. This is the Bible. This is our God. And so whether we like the language or not, it's there. Whether we like the terminology or not, it's there. Whether we not like it or not, it's there. And so we have to process this. We have to understand what this scripture is saying and telling us about God. And to be honest with you, some of these scriptures that we like the least or that we might be turned away from, these are the ones that are going to invite us in and draw us in the most. <laughs> They might be some of my favorite scriptures. Uh, Revelation chapter 19, verses 6 through 8. And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude as the sound of many waters and the sound of mighty thundering, saying, Hallelujah, for the Lord omnipotent reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come and his wife has made herself ready. And it was granted to be, and it was granted to her to, to it, and to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saint. And so one of the, there's this, there's this idea, it's not a predominant idea, it's kind of a little bit of a hidden idea, but there's this hidden train of thought that runs throughout scripture. It's in the Old Testament. Jesus makes mention of it in the Gospels. It's here in Revelation in the New Testament. There's this idea that Jesus is going to marry the church. The marriage supper of the Lamb. And we are the bride. The church is the bride. And so guys, I know you're uncomfortable because now I'm telling you you're a bride. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. We're not, we're not talking about anything bad here. Just understand that it, this is metaphorically speaking, but we are the bride of Christ. We are the bride of Christ. And so last week we talked about this deep relationship that I have with my wife. Last week I said, uh, I said this, I'll just say it again uh, for those of you who weren't here. Uh, but if you weren't here, go and listen to the tape from last week because that was good. I don't know how today will be. <laughs> My wife has relational equity. If all of you called me on my cell phone at midnight and said, hey, can you go get me some butter pecan ice cream? I'll hang up on most of you. <laughs> click. That's all you'll hear back. Click. There's no click, just call ends. <laughs> For a few of my leaders, I might be like, is, it, is this an emergency? I mean, is butter pecan ice cream an emergency right now? 
do, do you do you actually have to have it? Is there somebody else that could come and pick it up? Because like I'm 40 minutes from your house, not mentioning going to get the ice cream. So even for my leaders, you're not getting the ice cream, guys. <laughs> I'm just telling you right now. We'll have more of a discussion. You know, I won't directly hang up on you. There's a relational equity there where I, I think I owe you a little bit of like, what's going on with you right now? <laughs> but if my wife says to me, hey, can you go get me butter pecan ice cream? It doesn't matter if I'm lying in bed. I get up, throw on my clothes, put on my shoes, grab my car keys and my wallet, run out the door, go to Walmart 24 hours up the street, grab that butter pecan ice cream and come back. Why? Why will I do it for her, not for any of you? It's the relational equity. But there's this deep, intimate relationship that we've got. And that's the idea here behind the marriage of the Lamb, is that God wants to take us as his bride. He wants to bring us into the place where the relationship that I have with him is the deepest relationship that I have in all of the earth. So that when he calls at midnight, and says, hey, call so-and-so. I'm not like, no thanks, Lord. Or, is this really emergency? Does this really have to happen right now? But I'm obedient, and I say, okay, Lord, you want butter pecan ice cream? You got it. I'll go get that. Why? Because there's relationship. He can ask me for anything. And I'll do it. I'll ask him for anything, and he'll do it. Smith Wiggles, I said this last week, but it's, it's worth saying. Smith Wigglesworth was known as saying, if God's not moving, then I'll move God. If God's not moving, I'll move God. It seems very arrogant. It seems heretical. It seems like, no, that's not scriptural. You can't do that. But Moses did. Yeah, come on. Abraham did. Jacob did. The list is long. We could go on here for the rest of the service about all of the men of God and women of God throughout the Bible who all moved God. And why were they able to move God? Because they had relational equity. They had a relationship with him that meant something. And God responds to our words. This is the power of prayer. Linda knows something about the power of prayer. There is relational equity that we gain with the Lord. That when we speak, he moves. I don't want to get you guys out into this crazy realm. But it's like we say jump and God says, how high? And if we approach it from the idea that we're just going to see God jump, then we'll never see him jump and we'll never get there. It's a side benefit. It's a side benefit of the intimacy with God. It's a side benefit of the intimacy with God. I say it this way. I say, I say it this way. I've met with several guys, and uh, we talk, and I'm like, it, when I put a demand on the Holy Spirit, he always responds. It's not because I'm anybody. It's because I have this relationship with him that goes to a depth. And so when I pray and ask God for a prophetic word for somebody. He's never not given me one. I wouldn't consider myself a prophet. I wouldn't consider myself like Charlie Sweet, but when I'm called to do something, 
and I ask God, God bless this person, God responds and he does it. All right, let's keep moving. Lots of, lots of uncomfortable scriptures here today. Psalm, Song of Solomon 2, 10, and then verses 13 and 14. My beloved, and there's gonna be some dots in here. I've deleted some things just for sake of time and some for sake of clarity. Uh, but don't be offended. I'm not like cutting out what I want to hear out of the Bible. I just want to, I'm trying to bring home this point of intimacy with God today. My beloved, my beloved. So before I even get into scripture here, let me just say a few things about Song of Solomon. Song of Solomon can be taken two ways. It can be taken as a relationship between a husband and a wife, and it is. And it can also be taken as a relationship between Jesus and the church or Jesus and myself, which it is. And so Song of Solomon is one of those books where we tend to avoid the book. We tend to avoid the whole thing. You know, so, uh, some of us, anybody that struggles with lust, you know, you're going to avoid it because the word breast is in there. And you read the word breast in scripture and suddenly you're taken out and you're not reading scripture anymore. You're like, oh, oh. And so for multiple reasons, people just tend to avoid the book of Song of Solomon. So I could teach on the book of Song of Solomon because nobody's ever taught on it before. <laughs> That was funny, guys. <laughs> Thanks. Too late. My beloved spoke to me and said to me, rise up, my love, my fair one, and come away. The fig tree puts forth her green figs. Rise up, my love, my fair one, and come away. This is Jesus talking to you. This, Jesus is in this story. Jesus is the beloved. And he's saying to us that we're his fair one, that we're his love. And he's asking us to come away, come away, come away, come away with me. Come, come, come. Oh, my dove, in the clefts of the rock, in the secret places of the cliff, let me see your face. Let me hear your voice. For your voice is sweet and your face is lovely. This is how Jesus thinks of you. This is how God thinks of you. He wants to be with you in that secret place, in that secret cleft of the rock. Who can get into the cleft of the rock? Only the doves. I can't get there. I'm too big and not nimble enough to get up a cliff, even if I had climbing gear. No, thank you. Let me see your face. He wants to see our face. I've, we said this before. We said it. God's desire from the beginning was that we would be in this intimate, deep relationship with him. This is what it happened in the Garden of, Garden of Eden. God took man, put him in the garden, and then God would walk in the cool of the day with Adam and Eve. Why? Because he wanted to be with them. But sin got in the way. But Jesus came and overcame sin and restored us to the place of right relationship so that we can once again come to this place of deep fellowship with God, that we can actually hear his heart. It says in Psalms that um, Israel was acquainted with the works of God, but Moses was acquainted with his ways. Moses had a relationship with, with God that was very different than any of the other Israelites. And so what I'm here to tell you today is that the, the opportunity to know God's ways is available to all of us. 
it's no longer just for one. It's, it's for everybody. It's wholesale. You can all have it. It's not cheap, but it's available to everybody. Song of Solomon 4, 8 and 10. Come with me from Lebanon, my spouse. With me from Lebanon, for you have ravished my heart. Do you know what you've done to God? You've ravished his heart. You've ravished God's heart. The moment that you said, yes, Lord, I'll follow you, God's heart was undone. He's so in love. You have ravished my heart, my sister, my spouse. You have ravished my heart with one look of your eyes, with just one look. The moment we turn back to God and say, God, draw me away again, we're ravishing his heart again. With one link of your necklace, how fair is your love, my sister, my spouse. How much better than wine is your love and the scent of your perfumes than all spices. I know, I know, I know. These are uncomfortable scriptures. You're not comfortable with me even reading them to you. <laughs> but this is just the depth. This is the depth of the relationship that Jesus wants with us. And he's willing to put this kind of language to paper so that we would know. I am my beloved's and my beloved is mine. Set me, the, this is the... Um, the, the girl talking back to Solomon at this point. And so this is us talking back to Jesus. Set me as a seal upon your heart, as a seal upon your arm, for love is as strong as death, jealousy as cruel as the grave. Its flames are flames of fire, a most vehement flame. Many waters cannot quench love, nor can the floods drown it. If a man would give for love all the wealth of his house, it would be utterly despised. Love is as strong as death. That's pretty strong. Love is the most powerful force in the universe. Love can move mountains. Love is the key. It's love. It's love. It's, it's that we love God and that we know that we're loved by him. That's the key. That's the key. Okay, <laughs> I had to see where I was. There was, um, you guys know my testimony, uh, and I've probably shared this story before. Um, when I first, before I got saved, I attended uh, denominational church, and there was, a, there was a day, I was in seventh grade, and the, the priest stood up and he said, hey, if you're a young man, here, you're here, seventh or eighth grade, and you wanna uh, become a priest, see me after service, and uh, we'll talk, and I thought, sitting in my seat in the pew, and I thought, I just found what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. I was overjoyed. Like, just, you know how the stress can be, like, what am I going to do with my life? I knew, ah, oh my gosh, this is great. 30 seconds later, I realized, wait, if I become a priest, I can't have a wife and kids. God, I'm out. I'm out. Sorry. No, no can do. On the way out of church that Sunday, my grandmother stopped me. Didn't stop either one of my brothers, but she stopped me. Didn't stop any of my cousins, but she stopped me. And she said, you know, they say that uh, if, a, if a mom's son becomes a priest, that it's a free ticket into heaven for her. None of my sons became priests, but I'm holding out for a grandson. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, really? <laughs> okay. 
So I come, five years later, I get invited to Redeeming Love, and I'm here, and uh, there was a guest speaker. And I don't know, couldn't tell you the guy's name. Pastor Carter got up, and he introduced the guest speaker. He said, this is Pastor so-and-so from such-and-such a place. Don't know his name. Don't know where he's from. Till this day, I have no idea. But the next piece of information was very important. He has a wife and four kids. <laughs> and he started preaching and talking and teaching from the Bible the same way I'm doing here today. And in the middle of service, God spoke to me and said, you can do this. Because I knew that I was going to do this. And so I say all that to say that I know that the call of God has always been on my life to do exactly what I'm doing now, to stand up here and preach and share the Bible. I've always known it. I've always known it. I've always known it. And so then as I continued to move forward, got saved, had some trials, had some setbacks, continued to seek God, continued to move forward in God, continued to do what I knew I needed to do if I was going to be a preacher. I read the word day and night, morning, noon, and night. Read it, read it, read it, memorized it, memorized it, memorized it. Got good at speaking. Um, part of that was just the gift of the Holy Spirit that came upon me at salvation. Before salvation, I was terrified to get up and speak. After salvation, there's not even a, a, an ounce of stress for me to get up and speak. Supernatural deliverance of the Holy Spirit because God wants me here. And so I, I'm working in youth group. I'm, I'm speaking on a Sunday morning. And through, uh, un, I couldn't even tell you chain of events. All of a sudden, for whatever reason, for two years, I wasn't called upon. It wasn't because I did anything wrong. And I felt like, I, in hindsight, I felt like, for whatever reason, God put me on a shelf. And so during that period of time, I sought away and I found the Lord. I didn't just stop because I wasn't asked to do anything anymore. I pushed in and I pressed in because I wanted more of God. Misty Edwards has a song and she says, if I never see the miracles and if I never walk on water, it will be enough just to have known you. If I never walk on water and if I never see the miracles, it will be enough just to have known you. And I'm like, I'm missing something. I'm missing something because I love preaching and I love doing this, but I don't know. I don't know that I love God enough. I don't know if I know, I don't know that I know God enough to the point where if I never do, then it'll just be enough. And so it caused me to really press in and really find the Lord. And over a period of about two years, I pressed in and I found a God that I never knew existed before. Not saying I didn't know Jesus. I knew him all well. But I found a depth of God's heart that was new to me. I found a depth of God's heart that was new to me. And at the end of the two years, I said to the Lord, I said, God, that's fine. If I've done something or if you just don't need me to preach anymore, then that's fine. Me and you, I'll just take my family. We'll go up to the woods and I'll find a cabin and I'll just spend the rest of my life praying to you. And that's enough. I don't care if I ever see it. I don't care if I ever do it. All I want is you. And then he said, okay, now you've got something to say. And so, that, so then the pulpit was opened back up to me. Then I was put back into, into work in the kingdom. I, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't anybody's fault that I got sidelined. And if you, were to, if you had been here at the church, you wouldn't even have known that it happened. Because it wasn't apparent. It wasn't open. It wasn't obvious. It was just something. It was a season of my life. But I came away from that season of my life knowing one thing. I knew who I was. I knew who I was. 
and I know who I am. And I'll tell you who I am, and I'll tell you, but I'm, first I'm going to tell you who I'm not. I'm not a pastor. That's my title, and that's what I do here. That's not who I am. I'm not a preacher. God's given me a gift, and I'll use it, but that's not who I am. I'm not a healer, and I'm not a miracle worker. God's given me those gifts to use, and I'll use them, but that's not who I am. I'm not a father, and I'm not a husband. Those are things that I do and, and are part of my life, but it's not who I am. It's not what I allow define me. Because if I understand who I am, then who I am is, is the definition of who I am. And that defines my life. And it was during that two-year period of my life where I finally got a hold of the Lord and I finally came to a place where it was just, God, it's enough to just be with you that I finally discovered who I am. And who I am is loved by God. I'm loved by God. It's the only thing that matters. It's the only thing that matters. It's the only thing that matters. Now watch. Because my identity is that I'm loved by God, what matters is that I spend time with God and I understand that I'm loved by God. And that comes down to me controlling that. Me going and spending time with God to reinforce and continue to understand that he loves me and that there's more depth of love that he's calling me into. If my identity is that I'm a preacher, then if you think that I did a good or a bad job today, I can get my value out of what you say. But I don't, I'm not a preacher, so you can say whatever you want. You can tell me that I did a good job and, and the compliment doesn't lift me up to a place where I'm in danger of pride. And you can tell me that I did a terrible job and the criticism doesn't bring me down to a place where I'm so beat up that I'm no good anymore because it's not my identity. My identity is not tied up in what I've done. And we need to, all of us, but leaders especially, all of us, but leaders especially, I want to talk to some leaders in the room right now. We have to, we have to, if we're going to lead others, we have to get to a place where our identity is found in God and in God alone. Because if our identity is found in anything else, then we'll lead poorly. If my identity is in the fact that I'm a preacher or pastor or, or, or you fill in the blank and then I don't do it so well, Fear comes on me, and then I begin to lead from a place of fear. And that's not healthy for anyone, you or me. But if I'm filled with the love of God, and I have the love of God, then I'm always leading from a place of love. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Love lays down its life. Love, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, love thinks nothing of its own. I don't say what I have to say because I feel that I'm getting any benefit out of it. I say what I have to say because I feel that God has given me this to say. Love does not seek its own. It is not boastful. Love thinks no evil. (laughs) That's a hard one. And so someone comes and they want something or they're doing something or they're doing something that they shouldn't be doing. And how easy is it for us to have an evil thought? That, oh, well, they're doing it because, and they've got ulterior motives, and love thinks no evil. I said I was going to share some uncomfortable scriptures for you today. There you go. Love thinks no evil. Think no evil. 
John 13, 23 says, Now there was leaning on Jesus' bosom one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. The audacity of John. <laughs> five times, at least five times, he refers to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. It's as if he's singling himself out from the other 11. <laughs> Listen, the disciple whom Jesus loved is going to tell you what's going on today. The disciple whom Jesus loved is going to go ask Jesus what's going on over here, so stay calm. <laughs> that happened. That happened. That happened at the Last Supper. Peter looked at the disciple whom Jesus loved and motioned to him to ask. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved asked Jesus and said, who is it? We get this, we start talking about love, and all, all of a sudden we're like, all right, let, can we be honest, right? Some of us guys are just uncomfortable with the word love. The idea of love, the idea of being the beloved, the idea of lovey, 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 lovey. But it doesn't have to be like that. We don't have to. We should never be uncomfortable with love. We should, we should want love. It, it should be the primary driving force of our life, to know the love of God. Yeah. That's it. Like, there's one thing that I want to do. All I want to do. I don't, I don't, I don't want to preach. I don't want to teach. I don't want to pray. I don't want to bring healing. I don't want to do any of that. All I want to do is I want to know the love of God. But in order to do that, in order to know the love of God, I've actually got to do all these other things because that's where the love of God is worked out. And to know something in thought is to not know it until you know it indeed. Yeah. You don't know something you don't know something simply because you know it. You don't know something simply because you believe it. You don't know something simply because you agree with it. You know it when you're doing it. And so you know to think no evil when you're actually thinking no evil. Well, that was good. Encourage myself. This is what I discovered. I discovered that Jesus loves me. I'm loved by God. And this is all that I will allow to define my life. Do you know, do you know that we get, to define what, we get to define what we allow to define our life? I said that badly. <laughs> we get to decide what we allow to define our life. What are we allowing to define our life? Is it going to be the media? Is it going to be the latest trends? Is it going to be some outward of, uh, or is it going to be the love of God? Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany of the town of Martha and her sister, Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose, Lazarus, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore the sisters sent word to Jesus saying, Lord, Behold, he whom you love is sick. Lazarus is sick. He's near death, as we know from the rest of the story. And this is an important message that Martha and Mary have to get to Jesus. Now, I don't know if it worked like um, Pony Express where you paid by the letter. You know, maybe they were trying to save some words. But I think Lazarus is shorter than whom, he whom you love. Right? I, think, I think Lazarus is one word, and it's made up of 
uh, seven letters, and he whom you love is four words, and is made up of 13 letters. So I think it'd be quicker and cheaper if they just stuck his name in there. But what we can know by scripture is that the, the, the thing that Martha and Mary knew was most important was that Jesus loves Lazarus. This is the most important thing. What can I say to move the heart of God? But what can I say? What's the most important thing about Lazarus? The most important thing is that Jesus loves him. And so they write this letter and they say, behold, he whom you love, he's sick. (laughs) And if you know the story, Jesus says, yeah, okay, we're not going right now. We're going a little bit, you know. And uh, then he says, uh, this sickness is not leading unto death. And then um, he says, hey, let's go up. And then Thomas is like, hey, they're wanting to kill you up there. Why are we going there? And he says, well, because Lazarus, Lazarus is sick. And then they said something, if he sleeps, or, or no, no he's, he's asleep. Lazarus sleeps. And then uh, they say, the disciples say, well, if he sleeps, he'll get well. And then Jesus says, no, he's dead. But I go that I might wake him. And so it wasn't, it wasn't going to lead to complete death because Jesus knew that he was going to raise him from the dead. Story for another time. He whom you love. Do we have an identity? How much of our identity is, is the love of God in our life? How much do we allow the love of God to define us? How much have we sat with God and understood that we're loved by him? How much have we pressed into who he is, found his heart, found his love for us, and then we just sit there and we just cherish his love? Have you ever been in love? Has anybody in here ever been in love? Right? Listen, I'm here to tell you, I don't care what I do. I don't care where I go. I'll watch Hallmark movies. (laughs) Because the one that I love wants to watch Hallmark movies. It doesn't matter. I, I don't even need to see. I mean, I can actually sit there and ignore the show because I know the ending from the beginning. I am not the Lord. <laughs> but I know how this is going to end. It's going to end good. It always ends good. It's going to end with a kiss usually. Not always, but usually. Yeah. Those Hallmark movies, they kiss at like half an hour to go, and you're like, what are you doing? <laughs> I don't care where I go. I don't care what I do. As long as I'm with my wife, we're good. We could go do nothing. We, when we were dating, we would do puzzles together. Pastor Steve. When we were dating, we would do puzzles. How much fun is a puzzle? A puzzle is no fun at all. I mean, they're fun. They're okay. You're, you're fine, Pastor Steve. For some of us. You're doing the puzzle, and then all of a sudden you're doing it with somebody, and they reach over, and they take the piece that you were looking at and put it in the spot that you were looking for, and you're like. <laughs> but it's fun when you're with the one you love. You Come to the place of the presence of God, and then just sit there and just enjoy his love. We get too caught up in the doing. The doing will come. The doing will come. I said this last week, it bears repeating. I may say it all four weeks of the series. I don't even know if we'll go four, four weeks or maybe more. It bears repeating. Lovers will outwork workers every time. Mike Bickle said that. 
Lovers will outwork workers every time. If I sign up to work, my work's going to last for a certain amount of time. And then I'm going to give up. I'm going to quit. I'm going to be like, I'm not in it for this. This isn't working out. Bad pay, no wages. What am I doing? But if I'm in love, it comes back to the ice cream analogy. All bets are off. I'll go the whole mile. It's the uh, Florence Nightingale effect, right? All the other, all the other uh, army men were whatever, but she fell in love with this one guy, and she gave extra care, and she took care of him extra special. Why? Because of love. It's love. It's love. It's love. And God doesn't want us to do things. He wants us to love. But the outcome of love is that we wind up and we do. It's the outcome. It's the outcome. The love of Christ compels me. Ephesians 3, 14, and we're going to read all the way to 19. For this reason, I bow my feet by... For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory. God's giving you according to the riches of his glory. Stop for a minute. How glorious are the riches of God? He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. The gold is his, the silver is his, saith the Lord. It, it's all his that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in what? In love. Rooted and grounded in love. Love. Love, 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 love. It starts with love. You need to be rooted and grounded in love. You have to start in love. You have to start there. It's the only starting place. It's the only starting place that makes any sense. Love. It's the only starting place that'll work. If you've started someplace else, throw it out and start over with love. If you've been in a, in a church before, if you've been here for a while and you didn't start in love, throw it out. And start in love and you'll get further. Maybe you've hit a wall. Throw out what you've got. Go back to love. Maybe you've hit a hard place. Just press into love. The love. That you may be able to comprehend with all of the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge. This is like an oxymoron. You're going to know that which passes knowledge. You're going to know that which is beyond able to be known. Am I the only one who's getting this, that this doesn't make sense? You're going to know that which you can't know. This is the invitation that has been made. This is the prayer that Paul's praying for us. That to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge. To know that which you can't know. How do I know something that I can't know? <laughs> that you may be filled 
with all of the fullness of God. Does anybody want to be filled with all the fullness of God? Anybody, right? How do we get there? We get there by knowing the love of God. We get there by knowing the love of God. We get there by knowing the love of God. By knowing the love of God that passes knowledge. Let me try and, let me try and get someplace with this thought that we're going to know something that passes knowledge. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bounce and just follow with me and then we're, we'll tie it all together. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. Right? Faith is not a, a thought. Faith is heart belief. Romans says, with the heart, one believes unto righteousness and is saved. Your heart can believe things. Your heart can think things. And so there's, not, there's, there's knowledge of the love of God that's going to pass knowledge because it comes from someplace else. It comes from someplace else. And so this is where God wants to convince you that he loves you. And this is where God wants you to know the love of God. It's available for every single one of us. There's no one here who's discount. <laughs> there's, there's no one. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Uh, we're talking about love and somebody's getting cuddly in the back and I'm like, all right, let's go. <laughs> no, the love of Christ. <laughs> Will you kids stop playing? <laughs> so there's just an invitation. There's an invitation from Jesus to know the love of God. And so it's an open invitation. It's an invitation that's always there for us. We can always respond. He's always ready. He says in Song of Solomon, he says, come away with me. Come away with me. And so that, that invitation never ends. There's never a time where you've done too much or you've gone too wrong or where he pulls back and says, no, I don't want to meet with you anymore. That's never God. God never says that. The invitation, come away with me. It's still here today. It's here right now for every one of us. Come away with me, Jesus is saying. Come away with me, God is saying. He says, I want to know you in the deep places. I want to know you in the quiet places, in the, in the silent times. I want to know, God knows everything there is to be known about you. But he does say to those who don't get into heaven, he says, away from me, I never knew you. And right, so there's a depth to the relationship that we get to have with Jesus. And I'm not saying that he doesn't know everything that's going on, but there's something that he wants to know about us personally. There's something that he wants to develop with us in this intimate relationship. So there's just this invitation. And so will you respond today? Will you respond this week? Will you spend time with him? And just seek his love. Don't ask what he wants you to do. He may tell you something to do, but that's not why we're here. He may tell you something, but don't even go for that. Just go to just be with him. When was the last time you went to God without a list and said, God, I just want to be in your presence. God, I just want to be in your presence. I'm a human being. I want to be. I want to be in your presence. Help me to just be in your presence. Not have a list. Not have a requirement. There's always something that needs to be done. But when do we come and not have to do something? Those are the times that we cherish the most.
My wife and I work together all the, we work together. We're together 24-7. It's rare that we're not together. My favorite times are when we're just hanging out. We could just be sitting on the couch, not doing anything. And that's, that's the favorite. Why? Because we're just being. We're not doing. It's the same thing with God. He just wants to be with you. He just wants to hang. Amen. Father, in Jesus' name, God, I pray that you would draw us away. Draw us away into uh, all of who you are. God, that we would just uh, be in your presence this week. That we would seek to understand your love in a new and a fresh way. And that we would be open to receiving more of your love. God, that you would break down every barrier in us of uncomfortability that resists your love. God, I pray that you would open our eyes and show us blockers of things that cause us to be resistant to your love. God, overwhelm our hearts with your love, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to call Brian up to receive the offering this morning, but as he comes, I want to just make mention of uh, the movie that's out in theaters, The Song of Freedom, and perhaps you've seen it, The Sound of Freedom? Sound. Sound of Freedom. Sound of Freedom. It outperformed uh, Hollywood. Yeah. So number one in the box office, it's about human trafficking. And uh, it's a Christian movie. We should all go see it. Um, it was a few months ago. I I, maybe it was only a month or two ago. I was talking to Stacy. Stacy and I were having a conversation. I said to my wife, I said, you know, I said, ho uh, Christian movies are about to outperform Hollywood. Amen. I said this not a month or two ago. I said, Christian movies are out to outperform Hollywood. Because Hollywood has lost their creative edge. They've lost their creative edge. They've got nothing new. This is why we're watching Indiana Jones for the fifth time. This is why they keep redoing series over and over and over and over again. Because they can't come up with any new thoughts. But, but Jesus is new. God is fresh every day. And I, I didn't even think it was going to happen this quick. But you're going to see it more and more and more where Christian movies will outperform Hollywood time and time and time again. And so go out and see it. Awesome movie about the real life uh, situations of child uh, slavery. And uh, yeah, let's, uh, let's end it. Amen? Amen. Amen. Brian. All right. Well, there are multiple ways to give here at Redeeming Love. Uh, there's a uh, card in the chair backs. And the slides on the screen uh, will explain the different ways. You can do it online. You can do it in an envelope. Um, and uh, there's also a mobile app. So, um, <laughs> wow, that was a great, great message. And, you know, one, one of the things that uh, most people don't know about is that there's, there's over 2,000 verses in the Bible about finances. When you compare it to other subjects, it's a lot less. <laughs> so, by what Pastor Matt was talking about was being in the presence of God and when we when we think about finances we, we we think one you know two plus two is four that's not God's fan finances that's not God's math two plus two is a thousand how's that how's that work right 
people when you're when we're in his presence right and we truly understand the love of god he changes our heart he changes our mind he changes because god is not a god of lack our god is a god of abundance but if we're thinking about our finances opposite of abundance then there's a disconnect right but by being in his presence we can close that disconnect we can close that gap we can operate in his kingdom abundance right um and everybody here is a, is, is a really great giver um but i just want to encourage you to you know if if we're when it comes to money if we're not thinking about it like we do of all the other aspects of God, then let's come to an, into His presence and say, and and just like I, like uh, Pastor Matt was saying, you know, don't don't ask, just like, just be with me. Be with me. I want to be with you, right? I want to love you even more than I love you now, right? And how, how that can just change in your mind. It's just it's it's amazing because. It's just where where is your focus, right? Where is your focus? Where if our identity isn't in God, like Pastor Matt was saying, and it's in any aspect of our finances, we want it to be in Jesus, right? Amen. So let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for everybody here. Um, everybody is wonderful givers, Lord. And uh, we just thank you so much that you invite us into your presence. That that you 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 yearn for us to to come to you father um and in all aspects of our life all aspects including our finances we just thank you so much for you are the god of abundance and we just thank you for all that you do and all that you are in jesus name amen if anybody needs prayer our prayer and healing team will be um, underneath the uh, screens um and we will see you next week